everybody welcome back to q-tips we are the video store junkies and we are back once again to bring you a few selections to watch over the weekend on streaming and we are going to get right into this and i will throw it over to zach renee let's talk about great <laughs> american pastimes mm. this week uh so if you are in the northern hemisphere and you have stepped outside in the last few weeks uh you may have noticed that summer is upon us uh, it's a little getting a little uh, sweaty out there, and you know there's uh, actually a great American pastime that I never got to take advantage of, uh, but I, I guess I've kind of gotten to do it vicariously through my first recommendation. Uh, so when I was a kid, I never got to go to summer camp, and <laughs> so I'm going to recommend for anyone like me who didn't uh, didn't get to enjoy that, or I, I, maybe people who did and they want to relive it. Uh, well, I was going to recommend the entirety of the Wet Hot American Summer <laughs> franchise. Um, however, uh, I, right before we started recording, I realized that the first, the actual movie is not streaming anywhere. Oh, no. So my recommendation is to uh, watch the two Netflix series. So there's a prequel series, uh, Wet Hot American Summer First Day of Camp. Uh, that came out in 2015, and then Wet Hot American Summer 10 years later, which came out in 2017. And uh, as it would suggest, the the first one is a prequel. The second one takes place 10 years after. Uh, the funny thing about this is that the prequel series uh, it was <laughs> released 15, uh, 14 years after the movie, and they make no attempt to like make anyone look younger. <laughs> it has pretty much all the same <laughs> actors. Uh, but there's, there's 15 years older. So... <laughs> um, yeah, if uh, if you haven't seen this, this is uh, basically as the the name would suggest. It's about like summer camp, camp firewood, and all the kids and uh, all the all the crazy hijinks that goes on. Uh, it's got uh, like a million uh, and one great actors and actresses. You got Janine Garofalo. Uh, I'm just reading the some of the cast from First Day of Camp. You got Janine Garofalo. You got Molly Shannon. You got Paul Rudd. You got Christopher Maloney. You got Ken Marino. You got Amy Poehler. You got Jason Schwartzman. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of these people are in the movie. Some of them are new to the TV shows. Uh, you also got, like, H. John Benjamin as a uh, can of corn. I mean, come on. you What's, what's not to love? Uh, so, yeah, what Hot American Summer, First Day of Camp, uh, 10 years later, TV shows are streaming on Netflix. And the, what I'm going to recommend is that you go watch those. And then uh, I guess that will break the entire purpose of the show. And I'll recommend you'll probably love those shows so much if you're like me. And uh, you'll want to just go out and buy Wet Hot American Summer on uh, Blu-ray or whatever. And nowadays, you actually have to own. We've we've come full circle, and you have to own physical media again. So um, I don't know. It was a a uh, very badly thought out recommendation, but I wanted to I wanted to recommend Wet Hot American Summer that, again because you can't recommend it enough. So, uh, anyways, uh, speaking of things that are wet and hot, I'm going to pass this over to Paul. <laughs> Point. Thank you, Zach. Only when you're near me. So, um, mm. <laughs> oh, did I say that out loud? Oh, uh, so <laughs> uh, my recommendation today is so a, f- a few weeks ago, the a, one of the latest uh, PG-13 horror films came out. It was based on a Stephen King short story, and it was called The Boogeyman. It was it was okay. It was your standard PG-13 kind of. It was a acceptable, you know, waste of time, but it was fun. But nothing I'd recommend. But it got me thinking. And there have been several films called The Boogeyman, but let's go back to at least what I think of as the original, though. Somebody could probably put well, you know, in 1937, fight <laughs> The 1980s The Boogeyman, two words, um, currently playing on AMC, DirecTV, and Shudder. 
I remember when this one came out. I did not see it in the theaters, but I remember reading the reviews, seeing the the trailers. And it's basically a, a killer gets trapped in a mirror. The mirror gets shattered, and mm. his evil spirit comes out. It is low budget, very low budget, but it's really effective, I think. Um, it's a little weird, uh, but I think it's definitely creepy. It went on to have at least a couple sequels, I think. None of which I watched because I didn't really think there was a point of it. But, uh, you know, they do some creative things. I just remember reading an article when it was made that at one point they wouldn't have these knives, you know, kill a character by all flying into him. And they recorded it by having like a styrofoam body on them and the knives <laughs> stuck in with 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 a uh, fishing wire, pulling them out and doing it backwards. And they said that just did not work. So instead, they just had the character's head beaten to death by a, by the uh, bathroom mirror. So, um, yeah. So that's the boogeyman. Uh, two words, 1980 on AMC Plus, DirecTV, and Shudder. And speaking of boogeymen, I'll pass this to Bill Mulligan, because he can boogie. <laughs> I love the nightlife, <laughs> and I love to boogie. You know, the boogeyman was directed by Uli <laughs> Lamel, who worked with, um, um, like, uh, Fastbinder. You know, like like a legit Oh, wow. Guy. I yeah, that. yeah. And then did, did a lot of cool stuff. And then has just made some of the most wretched wretched films ever it's like jess franco he has the ability but not necessarily the desire to do much more he did a just terrible thing and he kept going back to the boogeyman um there there's some sequels and stuff and i'm just gonna tell you right now avoid at all costs i think so anyway I just, uh, yeah interesting interesting guy but um yeah, whatever. Making this stuff. So, uh, okay. Well, I'm looking at another. Uh, my theme this week is, covers another um, filmmaker of low budget films and kind of a kind of one of those what great what ifs. And it's um, William Girdler, who did a, you know just you know was making low budget stuff. His first one, Asylum of Satan, looks like it cost a buck and a quarter. But he worked his way up. He did some black exploitation. He seemed to really like horror, anything that was exploitation. And then he did Grizzly, which was a 100% ripoff of Jaws, and mm. but made a ton of money, thanks in part to one of the greatest posters ever made by Neil Adams. And he was off and running. And, and his last movie, I believe it was his last, because unfortunately, and this is where the big mystery comes in, just when things were starting to look good, like he was about to break out and maybe get the chance to make some Hollywood movies... He was killed in a um, helicopter accident in the Philippines, scouting out locations. But his last movie is, is probably the one that he's really most famous for, The Manitou. Maybe it's Manitou. I don't know. It, yeah, I think it's Manitou. 1978. You can watch it on Shudder. What a cast. Tony, Tony Curtis, Michael and Sarah playing a Native American Indian. Susan Strasberg, Stella Stevens, Anne Southern, Burgess Meredith. It's like, what, was the love boat in town? I mean, what what a crew. Um, Tony Curtis is way past his prime, but he's paying, playing like a, a charlatan psychic who's a hit with the ladies because, you know, he's it is this is so 70s. He's got the chest hair and the, yeah, he's, he, he's playing Tony Curtis. And the plot is that old chestnut of Susan Strasberg goes to the hospital because she's got a tumor on her neck and they x-ray it. But it turns out that it's actually the fetal body of an um, ancient, evil, Native American witch doctor. 
and uh, the x-rays of course screw up his dna because science and uh he comes out and he's kind of a small person played by felix sila in a lot of makeup but he's got lots of powers that he can separate the hospital from everything else and really fake looking laser beams are shooting out uh they're trying to exercise him and there's lizard people and yeah boy oh boy this movie's the reach of this movie so exceeds its grasp you could yeah just have to stand up and applaud you know they this may have been the biggest budget that uh, girdler ever worked with but it wasn't one-tenth the budget of what they needed to pull this off but they soldier on anyway and it's a lot of fun it's a lot of fun uh the late great black saint from uh decades of horror love this film this was his favorite film and and i got the chance to to do a podcast with him talking about this and and it was just great fun and it's it's actually i think that podcast that made me fall in love with the idea of doing podcasts about movies because we just had so much fun deconstructing this movie that he unreservedly loved and i and i get why even though it's objectively kind of terrible but terrible in a really really watchable (laughs) way so that's the Manitou. They don't make them like that anymore. They never really did. Yeah. And I will throw this to another timeless classic, Renee. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. My theme this week is, well, it started out is <laughs> different from what it is now. But it started out as, I was going to go with some fan favorites. Because, uh, you know, every so often we bring up our one of our biggest fans, which is Paul's mom. Uh, but we do have another big fan that I'm aware of. It's Jerry. Hey, Jerry. Hey, Jerry. This, recommenda- <laughs> this recommendation is on behalf of Jerry. And this movie is Phantom of the Mall, Eric's Revenge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this movie is about a young man. His name is Eric. And he had a girlfriend named Melody. And one day they were spending some quality time at his home when a mysterious and very suspicious fire broke out. And Eric managed to save Melody, but unfortunately he died in this accident. Or did he? (laughs) (laughs) So it just so happens that a brand new mall is constructed on top of where Eric's house once stood. Again, super suspicious. And uh, this gives Eric the opportunity to come and exact his revenge on those that have wronged him and those that have wronged his girlfriend. This is a very entertaining movie, and it has a pretty good cast. Uh, It has Rob Estes, who I don't know if any of you guys remember. There was a TV show in USA called Silk Stockings. It was really good. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, Shelly watched it all the time. She did. Um, Yeah. So it has Rob Estes, and it has Morgan Fairchild, and Jonathan Goldsmith. Do you know who Jonathan Goldsmith is? Mm -mm. He is the Dos guy, the most interesting man in the world. okay. (laughs) Yeah. And it has Ken Foray in it. And everybody knows who Ken Foray is, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, but most, most importantly, it has Pauly Shore. Everybody (laughs) loves Pauly Shore. Should I insert, like, crickets? Yes, crickets would be extremely appropriate. Aww. Aww. Shore. You know what? He's going to be here in town, like, Ooh. in two oh, weeks he is. at a comedy club. I know oh. I'm so upset, though, because it's already sold out. Otherwise, Ooh. I would have been there. I, I think he's actually going to be, for, I think I want to say that he's going to be in Raleigh uh, this month for a con. He might so. be. It would be Paul, funny to that. go there and pretend that you think he's <laughs> Carrot Top. 
and just keep yelling at it. <laughs> do the routine where you're like, yeah. love that. Yeah. Uh, Paul, Paul, don't, don't, uh, Renee, don't listen to this, but uh, if you want to go get a Pauly Shore signed copy of Phantom of the Mall for Renee's birthday, now's your chance. Ooh. <laughs> oh, that's true. It's wow. True. Wow. I didn't realize oh he was God. in it. That's... He is. He worked at the little ice cream shop in the mall. No, it was the yogurt place, the frozen yogurt place. That's what it was. He was, yeah, frozen yogurt place. Anyway, <laughs> so this movie is very silly and it is available to watch on AMC Plus, Shutter, and Aeroplayer. And on that note, I'll pass it back to you, Zach. You know, I, I tweeted at the Aeroplayer one, uh, guys once <laughs> about uh, when they tweeted something about uh, a movie that had a very, very vague connection to Waterworld, and they tweeted back uh, that they were very impressed. So um, I'll take that as a as an endorsement. Anyways, um, let's talk about let's talk about another fine American pastime. Uh, we talked about summer camp. Obviously, that's all well and good, but uh, I think there's another pastime that's a little more important and um, maybe actually just as fun, if not more fun, and uh, that's hunting nazis. And which is appropriate oh, because yeah. the, <laughs> the name of my second recommendation, uh, you can probably guess what it's about. Uh, it's called Hunters. And uh, it is oh, an extremely yeah. dramatized. Okay, I don't know. I don't know if that's a, uh, uh, a pro or anti uh, from B- Bill, but we'll follow up on that in a second. Um, this is an extremely dramatized story. Uh, it's, it's set in the 70s uh, in New York. Full disclosure, I've not watched the full show. I just watched a couple episodes last week, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. So uh, I can't vouch for uh, both seasons, which are currently playing on Prime Video. Uh, but yeah, the, the, uh, the, the premise here is that there's this uh, young man whose uh, grandmother gets murdered, and uh, he, he finds out that she is actually the head of this a uh, secret clandestine group of vigilantes who go around hunting and killing Nazis who have uh, kind of, you know, escaped uh, the the Hague or whatever and have now hidden themselves in plain view in the U.S. Uh, like I said, super dramatized. This is not a documentary. Apparently, uh, people have actually come down on the show because it's kind of uh, a very, very uh, out there uh uh, version of you know obviously there were people hunting nazis in the 70s um but this is this is not supposed to be based on i think anything super factual uh but it does have al pacino uh noted jewish actor al pacino as uh in a in a role that i actually really like him in this show because i kind of grew up with like 90s al pacino where he's just like chewing the scenery in every single thing that he's in and in this he's a little more uh you know he's a little older as a person but he's uh, he's just a little more uh uh, toned down. So I really like him in the show. I've also got a bunch of other great actors. Uh, notably, I love Dylan Baker as one of the uh, the the Nazis who has uh, you know been kind of hiding for uh, like thirty years in the U.S. And the the opening scene. I don't want to give anything away, but he's he's mm. super uh, he's super easy to hate. Let's just put it that way. So uh, Hunters, it's on Prime Video. Uh, <laughs> Bill, have you seen this one? Is this uh, I've seen watch? I've seen bits bits of it. Um, Steve Buscemi is amazing. It's look. I mean, so getting upset about the historical inaccuracy of this is like getting upset with Inglorious Bastards or the Woman King. <laughs> exactly. I mean, they're not meant to be. <laughs> yes. Okay. The Woman King. We'll talk about that another time. Um, 
Yeah, okay. Yeah, let's not suck it. Um, but this is. It's not. It's not like. It's not like they're making the Nazis sympathetic or anything. I mean, they're they're true yeah. to the. You know, wouldn't it be great if some of those people hadn't died when they actually died, so we could kill them again? Yeah. I, I'm on board with that. So yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. Um, is this a is this a portrayal of some of the top leadership that's going to make you forget downfall? No, it's it's you know, but but it's it, it's it's fun. I mean, who else can you just so hate without you know you don't uh, maybe he had a bad childhood? Who gives a rat's ass? You know, yeah, it's it's fun. Watch it for sure. I think it only got two seasons though, right? Yeah. Uh, well, it, it it I think it intentionally. I think the yeah. second season was intended to be the last. Right. I should also yeah, note that this Yeah. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, 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 no. I think I think actually that probably was smart. They ended it, you know, you, you could take it too far. Yeah. And I, I should note this is, uh, I, I think, uh, executively produced by, I don't know how much creative input he had, but uh, Jordan Peele has an executive producer credit on this. So maybe uh, if, you, mm. if you like his stuff, maybe worth checking it out. Mm. Uh, and speaking of people who I know uh, secretly love killing Nazis, uh, Paul, oh, sorry, I wasn't, you can edit that out, <laughs> Renee, I'm sorry. Paul, um, Paul, what is your, uh, what is your second pick this week? <laughs> Why, thank you. My pick's actually, it's kind of a big pick. It's a wide pick. It's actually a couple, mm-hmm. couple picks, but it's a couple series. Um, jump right into it. Doctor Who, both the uh, new series oh, wow. and the classic series, because I just finally caught up on the new series, um, and because uh, the new Doctor Who comes out, I guess where there's going to be a Christmas special will be that you know it's it's like one of those British series that sometimes it's just you don't you get a special every couple years, and then you might get a short season, and then you're off for another few years. So those are not familiar. Doctor Who is a very long-running series. The original series was in the, started in 1963 on the BBC um, and ran until, I think, like the mid-'80s. Then there was a TV movie, I think, in the 90s, and then uh, started up again in, I think it was 2005, 2006, and it's been going since. And you go, and so it's a series about a, he's a kindly, he's a, a well, he or they, I guess, now at this point, is an alien who... Looks like a regular person, as the smart as they put, the smartest person in the room, um, and can has his uh, time machine, space machine. It's called the TARDIS. Uh, there's a lot of lore to go in here. We're talking sixty years, um, and you go, how does this work when it's that been that long? Well, the doctor <laughs> can regenerate when he gets hurt or injured, and so basically becomes a whole new actor and essentially a, a, a new but similar character. And they travel throughout the universe, uh, saving the world and the universe or the universes and so forth uh, with with various companions. It's a real fun series. It started off kind of as a kid's series with the idea of teaching them history, and that's a nah, screw that. This is just a fun sci-fi series. <laughs> uh, been around forever. It's pretty fantastic. So the original series, uh, the cl- which is listed as classic Doctor Who, is on BritBox, if you have it. Um, which is a, a great little series if you're into all sorts of British mysteries and things like this. And it's interesting because some of the early seasons, that was back when a lot of stuff was shot on videotape, and they didn't really, you know, no one thought about mm. keeping it. So a lot of the tapes were just erased and reused. Uh, some of the early seasons, they only ha- some they have nothing. Some they have audio for, and they've actually gone and animated them, which is actually kind of cool. Uh, so... Um, and some just have the scripts and things like this. So you can catch those 
on BritBox, or if you want to watch The Modern Incarnation, it's on formerly known as HBO Max, and that's Doctor Who. And it's a it's a fun series. I mean, I, when the new version came out, I started watching it with my, my oldest, um, and the youngest was a little scared by it at first. Uh, but it's pretty family-friendly, and... Uh, eventually but yeah so it's it's fun stuff highly recommend it and uh speaking of of possibly immortal time lords i will pass mm. this to bill mulligan mm-hmm. I, I do try. i do actually go ahead. oh sorry go, no go ahead no i was just gonna say i do i do want to uh, i i i think we we could uh debate the later seasons but the the first couple seasons mm. of the new series is just great fun honestly some some really really creative uh, writing some really really mm. great episodes in there, so highly recommend. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do have to say I do agree that the the series can be um, inconsistent in terms of its quality, but I think it's a lot of it's also sort of your your personal take on it because there are some series that people really hate while others love them and others and back and forth. Uh, so, but yeah, it can definitely you're, you're probably going to find ones you really like and you're going to find ones you not don't like and you're going to find doctors that you like. And doctors you don't like, and companions you like, and so forth. So, and don't look for consistency in the story, though they do like to bring back people from the past, events, characters, so forth, and references from like literally almost sixty years ago sometimes. Uh, but don't look for actual consistency because it would just <laughs> it would break you. Yeah, so, um, I've tried to get into Doctor Who, and here's the biggest problem with getting into Doctor Who is if you're like me and you have a lot of friends who are Doctor Who fans, to make the tremendous mistake of going to them for advice on where you should start. <laughs> and and you need to not, just don't do that because they are no damn help at all. And uh, this thing has been going on since 1963. So you'll get the crazy yeah. ones that will tell you, well, you know, you gotta, you gotta watch the early ones to really appreciate it. Which would be like someone saying, you gotta watch Lost in Space to really appreciate Blade <laughs> Runner. They're like, nah. well, you're clinically insane. Um, I, I would just uh, say pick a point and just dive in and understand that you might not get some of the stuff, but that's part of the fun of it. Sure. Oh, the other thing I wanted to point out is the very first Doctor, William Hartnell, was he was this kind of he played the characters this old crotchety, you know, almost a mad scientist, not mad scientist, but mad professor, old kind of crotchety guy, and he seemed all old and crotchety. Yeah, he he's a year younger than I am, but anyway. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and, and then also don't, don't watch the two Doctor Who movies with Peter Cushing, even though Peter Cushing is great and would have been a great Doctor Who, because even though they're Doctor Who movies and they're made in Britain by the folks who made Doctor Who, they've got nothing in common with Doctor Who. Um, right. They're, they're, they're non-canon because he's not. Non-canon. See, and, do you which, see which is, how crazy which you is like Doctor Do you Who realize insane how insane this all just like to a normal person? Oh, yeah. And, Their and, eyes are glazing I mean, over. And Doctor they're Who pulls for... in all sorts of shit anyway. So. See, see, listen, just folks out there, if you're not into Doctor Who, this is what it's like when you start talking with these folks. You are looking for the exits. You're like, uh, <laughs> three stories. If I jumped out the window, would I be hurt? I don't know. I think it was soft grass, but the, the shards of glass might stink. Yeah. So anyway. Um, but I I'd say they're fun. I'd say dive in. If you do look for a starting I, point, you could start with season one of the new series that started in 2006. Right. I what, think that's a people, good starting point. Yeah. What, what fans of the show need to do is to find a few of those standalone episodes like the Vincent Van Gogh one and the Weeping Angels where you don't really need to know all the history. They're just a really ripping good story. 
you know, and they, they don't, they're not part of any necessarily bigger thing and everything. And then you're like, well, this is pretty darn good. And then you get into it. Next thing you know, you're dressing up like a Dalek and you know, you're, you're, you're completely, uh, yeah. I think but if you watch the Van Gogh one, you need to balance it out with something else. <laughs> Otherwise, right, it's like, right. I'm dying inside and I don't want to watch right. another episode. Oh, this makes me sad. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go back to the one about killing Nazis. Exactly. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, still with uh, William Girdler here, who is a, an up-and-coming filmmaker who made the mistake of flying in a helicopter. Why people fly in helicopters if you absolutely, unless I have a heart attack, I am never going to be in a helicopter. They don't even look like they should work under the best of circumstances. And apparently all it takes is a stiff breeze or a flamingo flying into the rotor or something and down they go. It's just, you know, how many times we got to hear this story? Um, anyway, right before he made uh, The Manitou, um, he did Day of the Animals in 1977. And this is one of those great echo horror films from the 70s where basically every other film was convincing us that we're all going to be dead by the 80s because we were screwing up the ozone layer and there wasn't going to be enough food. Soylent Green was like the best case scenario because at least we'd still have something to eat each other. But most of them were really (laughs) gloom and doom. This is what I grew up with. It's amazing. You know, I do not consider myself a baby boomer. I consider myself Generation Z. I have a very good argument to make about Generation Generation X. That's right. The ones who drank from garden hoses and had nothing to do with the stuff at the baby. Oh, you're a baby boomer. It's like, no, no, I'm a victim of the baby boomers. You know, I grew up in the horrifying world that they created. But okay, whatever. Well, um, well, Bill, if there's one thing you're not, it's the silent generation. Am I right, guys? That's right. <laughs> got him. You got that straight. Yeah, yeah that's right. Because we grew up convinced that, you know, every, every other generation had so screwed up the earth that we were the ones that were going to be left eating each other and being scooped up and waiting for Charlton Heston to save us. This is, this is the, and we're not, we had <laughs> no, no, look outside. It was completely overstated. Day of the animals <laughs> was one of the ones talking about the ozone layer, which was like one day we woke up and we had these satellites flying around space and we noticed, Hey, earth has got an ozone layer. Oh, also there's a hole growing in the ozone layer that's spreading and uh, it's going to make the world uninhabitable. We're like, uh-oh, and I wonder what caused this. And it turned out it was like underarm deodorant spray cans. Wish I was making some of this up. But, you know, okay, we solved it. We we got rid of it, and now the hole's closing. It's still there, but it's, it's sort of closing. Uh, but in this one, this is what would happen if we had just kept on trying to, you know, stop perspiration and screw the ozone layer. Turns out that the animals are starting to react badly because the sun's cosmic rays are going through that hole in the ozone and making them act all funny in the head. So we got like a whole, we got Linda Day George and Richard Jekyll and Christopher George and Leslie Nielsen and a whole bunch of, you know, folks that familiar faces from that time going up in the mountains and they're being attacked by all the animals. So it's really low budget. So there's only so much they can do. You know, eh, all these movies are kind of the same. They show a picture of a hawk in the sky and you hear scree and then the camera swoops down at someone's face and they go, ah, and there's a brief thing where they're kind of shaking some feathers around. And then we see the bird flying away and we cut to the person, their face is all scratched up and their eyes are gone and they fall off a cliff because when your (laughs) eyes disappear, what do you do? You run, you run in a straight line. Yeah. What's the worst that could happen? Yeah. So that's kind of the whole thing. There's mountain lions and I don't know, uh, moles, something. Um, but it's fun. It's fun. It's a bunch of people, you know, who lives, who dies, who cares? 
but Leslie Nielsen, for some reason, I, I, I don't know why, Leslie Nielsen seems to be the only human who's affected by this. He's not being funny, Leslie Nielsen. He's being serious, Leslie Nielsen, which is funnier than Leslie Nielsen being funny, quite frankly, because he goes nuts. And when Leslie Nielsen goes nuts, his eyes get wide and it's crazy. And all he can think of is, you know, police squad. He uh, takes on a grizzly bear. It's great. A grizzly bear shows up, (laughs) probably from Girdler's earlier grizzly, and uh, challenges the group. And Leslie Nielsen, who is now so screwed up from the ozone layer thing, uh, he challenges the bear. He takes him on in a furious 12-second battle, which, spoiler alert, does not end well for Leslie Nielsen. But it's great. It's just one of my favorite scenes from the 70s. So, Day of the Animals. It's better than Frogs. Yeah, I'll leave it at that. You know, I mean, they're really... The the (laughs) Echo Horror did not really have a lot of great stuff uh, that came out in that time. But, you know, know what? It scared us all into fixing the ozone hole, so at least some good came out of it, right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think we could all agree. I, I, who who's against the ozone layer? <laughs> yeah. And I will throw this right back to Renee. Well, thanks. So I was trying to think of another recommendation, like a fan favorite, but I was poking around on IMDB with the Phantom of the Mall, and I realized that it was directed by Richard Friedman. And oh. yeah, and Richard Friedman. <laughs> had directed one episode of this series. But when I saw it, it was like things just came flashing back to me. And it was just, it was just a good time. So anyway, (laughs) this series is called Monsters. And it was on, yeah, it was on in the late 80s. And it was, it's like a horror anthology. And I'll just, I can never forget the opening. It's like the mom, She, I think she had, I think she had three eyes. I don't remember if she was a cyclops or if she had three eyes, but she definitely had something going on. And she's like walking into the room and talking to the family, like what they're going to watch on TV that night. And they all are some sort of monster. And they go on to tell these like little horror stories. And every night it's a different story. Or I'm sorry, every week it's a different story. And, you know, kind of, I guess, maybe a little Twilight Zone-esque uh, mixed with a little bit of... um um. Which one is the Crypt Keeper? Tales from the Crypt. Tales from the Crypt. Thank you so much. Yeah. So kind of a little mix of that too. But these episodes, oh my goodness. So the very the very first one was called The Fever Man. And it's a it's a man brings his daughter, his very sick daughter, to this town healer. And this was back, I don't know what the time frame was, but it was back in the day. And the doctor or this healer was played by David McCollum. And a lot of you will probably know him mm. as Ducky from NCIS. And so there's just these images in my mind of seeing him playing this role. And of course, you know, what happens when he heals this girl and how the episode, you know, kind of turns out. It's some just one of those things, I think, where the visuals will just stick in your head for a little bit of time. But the actors that were in it were just really great. David McCollum was great in that episode. Um, it has other people in it, like Adrian Barbeau and Linda Blair, and uh, Richard Mall is in an episode, and Tempest Bledsoe. I don't know if you guys remember Vanessa from the Cosby Show. Yeah, yeah, she, yeah. She was in an episode called My Zombie Lover, 
it was it's so really ridiculous, really funny. It's kind of set up like a sitcom where she's this nerdy girl who like doesn't have any friends and no boys like her. But her uh, old classmate of hers uh, came back on the, on the day of the dead night. <laughs> and he's a zombie. So, you know, he came over to declare his love for her. And, you know, you just have to see how that all works out. But it's, <laughs> oh, my goodness, this is a really fun series. And I remember it from when I was a kid. And I think we watched the first episode. And I think that's when, you know, one of those things where I distinctly remember being like, oh, this is great. And I don't really remember watching more episodes. So I feel like my parents, or I shouldn't say I don't remember watching episodes with my parents. So I don't think that they cared for it very much, but I did. So <laughs> once again, this is called, uh, what is this called? Oh my God, this show is called Monsters. Monsters. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> oh God. Yeah, so this show is called Monsters and you can watch it on, you can watch the first season on Tubi and the Roku channel. I apologize, there are three seasons and I do not know where you can get season two and three, but season one is pretty darn good on its own. So yeah, that is my last recommendation. And unless anybody has anything else, <laughs> I think that's it. I, I, I definitely second Monsters. I think it was uh, like a, a spinoff or sort of a, a a successor to Tales from the Dark Side. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, I could see that. That makes sense. Any songs anyone would want to sing us out with? Mm. Well, if, if not, I got Uh-oh. Oh, boy. <clears throat> so one of the most distinctive things with Doctor Who is the theme song, but it doesn't have any lyrics. So instead, I'm going to bring you the 1988 British pop top top hit, number one hit from 1988 by the Time Lords, Doctor in the Tardis. The Tardis. Oh, that's a great song. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's a little bit like uh, Gary Glitter. Doctor yeah. Who. Hey. A Doctor Who. A Doctor Who. Hey. A Doctor Who. A Doctor Who. Hey. A Doctor Who. A Doctor Who. Come on, join me. Doctor Who. Hey! Come on, join me. Doctor Who. Doctor Who. A Doctor Who. Hey! The TARDIS. Doctor Who. A Doctor Who. Hey! A Doctor Who. For the weekend of July 14th, Zachary recommended the Wet Hot American Summer Series, available on Netflix, and you can rent the first one for a few dollars, and Hunters, available on Prime Video. Paul recommended The Boogeyman, available on Shudder, AMC+, and DirecTV, and the Doctor Who series, available on Max and BritBox. Bill recommended Manitou on Shout TV, and Day of the Animals on Roku, Tubi, Shudder, and Pluto. I recommended Phantom of the Mall, Eric's Revenge, available on Shudder, AMC+, and the Arrow Player, and Monsters, the series, available on Roku and Tubi. Come on, little buddy. Cool. <laughs> wow. Shelly said it's grounds for the divorce, but I heard you joining in, though. <laughs> she, she, I swear she joined in. At least you don't feel icky like if you're singing an actual Gary Glitter song. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah.